0: I'd love to chat with you. My team and I would love to help you talk to you about your specific questions regarding retirement and saving and investing from a biblical point of view. Just pick up the phone and give us a call at 720-372-0400. That's 720-372-0400. I'd love to chat or visit us on the web at lordandrichards.com. Well, today we're going to be talking about a subject that has become a real hot button over the last uh, months and really since the election. Uh, prior to becoming elected, President Biden made certain campaign promises with regard to taxing the quote-unquote rich, and so we're going to be talking about one specific area that we're very likely to see some changes in, and why you need to take some steps today to deal with those. Our principle is based upon Proverbs 13.22, Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, Focusing on that second half, that just tells you folks, hey, don't be the sinner. Don't be the wicked man who gives his wealth to the just or righteous man. But I really want to look at that first part for our subject today because it deals with what we might call estate planning, that which we plan for after death. Here it is again, Proverbs thirteen twenty two: a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, let me just point out that this clearly identifies that you and I can skip our kids and go straight to the grandkids with our inheritance. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But the principle is one of leaving wealth, passing wealth in a wise manner into the hands of the next generation that, lead, that that comes behind us. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm a simple person. I don't have what we might call a lot of wealth or the potential for a big estate. Well, you might be surprised and there are a couple reasons why I think getting an estate plan together is really important, whether you consider yourself wealthy or not. So here are some reasons why this is gonna be more important than ever in 2021. First of all, we've got potential changes in the law. When President Biden took office, he he immediately began to put together proposals and prepare plans to raise taxes on what he considered the wealthiest Americans. And we've seen that those proposals have varied somewhat from the campaign promises already in terms of who will be affected. For example, the president said that we would not see tax increases on anybody who makes less than $400,000. Well now we see that, oh, well, that's really per household. So you could have a husband and wife each making far less than $100,000, but now they have a target on their back. So as is usual, the government equivocates and politicians equivocate. You know the old adage, how do you know a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. (laughs) okay But some of the things that are definitely Uh, consistent with campaign promises are the negative changes that we're gonna see in the tax law, and some of those relate to what happens to your wealth when you pass away. The biggest one I want to point out is that the, the estate tax exemption was created to help Americans pass a certain amount of wealth on to the next generation with the idea of being able to do good with that, to keep it in the family, our tax code was created to encourage or discourage behavior. A lot of times people say, oh, we got to get rid of this loophole or that loophole. Well, a loophole is a mistake, an oversight. But when we're talking about our tax rates and exemptions, these were things that were carefully thought through, and they're not loopholes. They were designed to encourage certain kinds of behavior. So, for example, when we lower tax rates, we're trying to encourage people to keep and spend what they have as opposed to just fill up the government coffers. Well, when we had a nice high estate tax exemption, the idea was let's transfer this wealth into the hands of another generation that will continue to invest as well as spend that wealth. So that's the idea. A prosperous economy based upon investment and spending. But now, the exemption is gonna drop from 11.7 million in 2021 if this new proposal goes through and is passed to just three and a half million. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, in our system here in America, if you have assets in excess of that three and a half million, you are now subject, or your estate, what you leave behind is subject to estate tax. And just focusing on the federal level because states have different taxes. But if we focus on the estate tax, right now it's already an onerous 40%. 40% estate tax. So the proposal also includes the idea of increasing that to 45%. And then anything you pass on in excess of $3.5 million will be taxed at 45%. So let's say you actually have oh, we'll say $5.5 million when you pass away, that extra $2 million will cost you, oh, about 900000 in taxes. You say, holy moly, yeah, that's a big deal. And even if this isn't passed, the current estate tax exemption will revert back automatically to $5.49 million in 2026. Now, of course, couples can combine this But you might be saying, well, that's still way more money than I will ever need to worry about. Well, for those who have two commas in your portfolio, this is going to be a big issue because let's say you have a million today. Well, at a modest rate of return of 7.2%, you'll double that in two years and double it again, or pardon me, in 10 years and double it again in 20. And over the length of a typical retirement or from age 60 to about 90, you'll see that double Again, so a million goes to two, goes to four, goes to eight million. And as you can see, uh uh-oh, that's an extra four and a half million dollars. We'll be paying almost uh, well over two million dollars in taxes. That's pretty onerous. So even somebody who is well within that 3.5 million is going to see potential for huge increases in taxes on their estate. There's also a law change being proposed to eliminate what's called the step-up-in basis. This is a big deal because whereas before you could pass on your home, other appreciated stock or other assets and not have to pay taxes as you transfer those items from one generation to the next, now those things will be taxed and heavily no doubt because the idea currently being floated is to make a capital gain taxable at up to 43%. Wow. You say, where are these ideas coming from? Well, the idea is that you're supposed to pay your fair share. And so therefore, if, if you want to transfer a home, your beneficiaries are going to have to sell that, take some of the proceeds to pay the tax, and then they'll get a portion of it, maybe half of the value of that. That's extreme. Here's the interesting thing. This is all in vain because you could take the top 1% of the wealthy and take everything they have and be nowhere near solving our budget crisis, our budget deficits, as well as our massive federal debt. So these are some reasons why you and I need to get a plan together as soon as possible if you don't have one in place for what happens when you pass on so that we can fulfill Proverbs 13, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Lord and Richard Show, and I'm Colin Richards. I'm Denver's biblical investment advisor, and I would love to talk to you about not only estate planning, but all the other key areas of comprehensive planning from a biblical Christian point of view. If you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to chat. We'd love to visit with you. Just pick up the phone and give us a call at 720-372-0400. That's 720-372-0400. I'd love to chat. Or visit us on the web at lordandrichards.com. So we've been talking about reasons why we should get together a plan for what happens to our assets when we pass away. We haven't even talked about the need of taking care of those that we love, That goes almost without saying, but a lot of times folks will tell me, well, Colin, I've got a will. Um, Here's some questions for you. First of all, is your will up to date? Because often a will doesn't reflect the current reality, what you're doing right now in terms of your family and your wealth. Other times folks will have a will that's from another state, so it may or may not be the right kind of document here in the state of Colorado. But here are a few weaknesses of wills. If you're thinking a will by itself will cover this need, remember that it doesn't guarantee who receives your property. Oh, I could tell you story after story of people whose wills were challenged, right? Beneficiaries that were upset about how things were laid out or people that were left out altogether. And when a will is contested, guess who wins? Well, the attorneys do because when you have a will, your state is gonna go through a process to verify that will called probate. And those costs can run up to, to very typically up to $5,000 or more. And of course that or more really kicks in when people can test that will. So it's not really a guarantee of who will receive your property. It's some guidance, it's some direction. And it's certainly better than passing away what we call intestate, which means no will. At that point, the state, according to prescribed rules, will divide up your asset as they see fit. And that, of course, is a catastrophic exclusion to not have a will. And of course, most people who don't have wills also don't have durable powers of attorney for health, for finance. Oh my goodness, your your relatives, your closest family, need to have the power to step in And make sure you get the care that you need if you're sick, or to make sure that your finances don't collapse during a period when you're incapacitated. Another thing about wills is that they become a matter of public record. I don't know about you, but I just prefer that my financial matters be kept private. But you can go and look up the names of famous people and look at their estates and see what happens. Another weakness of the will is that there's a limited ability to control the assets when you pass on. You say, well, they won't be mine. Well, how would you feel, though, if those assets are wasted? You know, What if you're in a situation where you want the assets to pass directly to your kids or your grandkids, but not necessarily to your spouse? Maybe there were some specific things you wanted to do. Or maybe you have a blended family and you want to keep assets on one side versus the other. We have stories we can tell you, such as a client who set up a trust so that her grandkids must be full-time students or employed in order to get funds. This is great thinking and great planning. It's the kind of stewardship principle that we as believers operate on every day. Why would we not exercise that same level of stewardship when we pass on? And of course, a will is completely bypassed by assets that have a beneficiary. So if you have an IRA, it's not gonna be covered by the will. If you have life insurance, if you have a joint account with right of survivorship or a transfer on death, all of these are gonna go around the will. And here's the problem. When you start multiplying these accounts, it is incredibly difficult and dare I say rare to find a situation where a person who has this variety of accounts outside of the will is going to see those kept up to date. It really involves an incredible amount of busy work and paperwork. So what are the solutions? What kind of action can you take now to get the ball rolling, to make sure you prepare in advance, to make sure that your hard-earned savings, what you've built over your lifetime, isn't wasted, but rather it's carefully planned and put into the hands of those who will do good with it? Well, first of all, you need to have a written estate a plan, a written estate plan. This means we've got to get documents in place, which of course includes a will. You need to have a durable health care power of attorney. You need to have financial power of attorney. All these kinds of documents. You need to, have to figure out how you're going to treat your family. Are you going to distribute to the kids equally, or was there one that was more present for you in a time of need in your life, maybe towards the end of life? Or one that you're planning on having to do more work, such as being the executor of the state? Do you have key charities, religious organizations, churches, mission organizations, other nonprofits that you'd like to include but you're not sure how? And is it important to you to reduce or eliminate the taxes that are going to be paid out of that estate? I don't know about you, but when I pass away, I'd rather build a wing on a hospital than put a wing on a fighter jet, if you know what I mean. Now, I grew up in the military. I'm patriotic to the core, and I believe in the United States of America, and I believe in paying taxes. However, I believe that the law was created to help intelligent people bypass unnecessary and overpayment of taxes. So have you thought through what's going to happen to your money when you pass away. What do you want to have happen? And so there are some very clear things that you can do, and there are some clear ways that you can set up and plan for the future to avoid wasting money at the end of life and being able to be able to give a good account as a good steward of what God has put into your hands. If you're just joining us, this is Colin Richards. I'm Denver's Biblical Investment Advisor. I'm the founder and president of Lord & Richards, and we help folks just like you every single day to achieve what we call financial independence. That means being able to do what you love with the people that you love, for the reasons that you love, and ultimately for the glory of God. It would be my delight to help you. We want to help you prosper through good times and bad, and we want to help you make sure that you're a good steward of what God has put into your hands. Just pick up the phone and give us a call at 720-372-0400. That's 720-372-0400. I'd love to chat. Or visit us on the web at lordandrichards.com. So what kinds of concrete steps can you take in order to avoid the weaknesses of a will and the additional costs of probate, to avoid wasting money, to make sure that the dollars that you leave behind are left in good hands, safe hands, that will do the kind of work with those assets that you want to see happen. Well, I think one of the best things that you can do is utilize a tool called a trust. Now, many of us have different conceptions of a trust, but here's what a trust really does. First of all, it's private. That's so so reassuring. I don't want my family's finances aired to the public upon my death and I don't think you would either. It also makes sure that assets are transferred quickly and efficiently. It's a real gift to the person who is left to handle your estate, the executor of the will. Um, So whoever it is, if you have a trust as opposed to merely a will, and you'll always have a will, typically a document we call a pour over will, But when you leave those assets behind and it's all been handled and the trust has been kept up to date, you have a single, simplifying document that avoids the messes that can come with out-of-date life insurance policies, out-of-date beneficiaries on IRAs, joint accounts, and other types of accounts. So it's incredibly um, helpful to those that you leave behind. It's really a gift to them. And just bypassing the probate cost alone will more than pay for the cost of a typical trust. Now, a revocable trust is the simplest and it does most of the planning that you need. Something that's real important is to make sure your home gets put in a trust as opposed to going through the will and probate process. Some of you may be able to benefit from what's called an irrevocable trust. And by the way, there are lots of specialized names given to trusts that have added clauses, for example, You might have a special needs child, in which case we call it a special needs trust because it's added provisions that help care for that dear one that you might leave behind and yet they still need care. Um, When we add an irrevocable trust to the mix, what we're really doing generally at the core is trying to get assets out of your estate to keep you from paying that onerous estate tax. So for all intensive ter- intents and purposes, you have now moved that money out of your own control and put it into a trust, and it's like a totally separate individual in the eyes of the law. Also, when you do this properly and with enough notice, you can protect your estate potentially from Medicaid costs, uh, costs the costs of chronic illness care so that you can qualify for Medicaid. So many of my clients are worried about sucking up all of the remaining assets of their life in the process of going through illness. And of course many of you have seen this happen with parents or family. And so a good irrevocable trust, we call it a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust, can help move assets out of the way so that you can easily qualify for Medicaid and not leave all your money to the hospitals and nursing homes. Now there's another option and it's one that many of our clients choose and that is give money away. So in one sense, when you have an irrevocable trust, you're kind of giving it away, but you know that it's coming right back into the family later on. However, what I'm talking about is when you actually give money while you're alive to your children. Did you know that every year you can gift away $15,000 to anybody you want and it doesn't reduce your other exemptions? So you don't have to pay gift tax on that. Now if you go over that, it begins to count against what's called your lifetime federal gift, estate, and generation skipping transfer tax exemption. That's the big number that I talked about earlier, that current 11.7 million that's gonna be dropped to three and a half million. So if you give over and above that number, you're going to owe anywhere from 18% to up to 40% when you transfer gifts to others of up to a million dollars. So 18% on the low end, some thousand dollars, and 40% on the high end, a million dollars and up. By the way, a generation skipping transfer tax is a tax you pay anytime you give a gift to someone who is 37 and a half years younger than you, and that is taxed at 40%. So we have these onerous taxes, the GSTT, the Generation Skipping Transfer Tax, the estate tax, the gift tax, all of these going up to 40% and now being proposed to go to 45%. Now there are still options even if you go above and beyond all the exemptions. You can build a certain type of trust called a perpetual trust or a dynasty trust. And, of course, we'd be happy to talk to you about how those work. In addition, not just giving to individuals, but giving to charity, giving to religious organizations, your church, missions that are critical for the kingdom uh, is a tremendous, tremendous way to give. Some of you may have been discouraged by the new standard deduction. It's to your benefit, so no need to be discouraged, but it's really high for a single person. It's 12550 this year. And for a married couple, it's $25,100. So anything that you give within that amount, you really don't get to itemize. And so you're just at the standard deduction. But a lot of our clients have said, hey, I want to get credit for giving. I don't want to get the same deduction whether I give or not. So there is no cap on itemized deductions at this point. So we have a limitation in the past that's not on the table yet. We'll see what happens but here's some advice to you. You can use a charitable giving entity such as a donor advised fund. That's a fund where you advise how that gift's gonna be used or you could create a private foundation. Either of these types of entities will allow you to gift money away all in one year that can be distributed over time. So maybe you don't wanna dump $100,000 $100,000 into your church's lap in one swell foop. But instead, what you do is you put that 100000 into a donor-advised fund or a private foundation and then you distribute it, Distribute it. what I like to say, gradually over time, okay? So you can take your tithe. You feel like maybe you're not getting any credit from the government? Well, lump it all together. And then you'll get credit in a single year or a couple of years and distribute, distribute it gradually over time. So a donor advised fund or a private foundation is a great way to get tax credit for gifts that you might not otherwise have gotten credit for. And then finally, if you're approaching age 72, you might want to seriously consider giving through qualified charitable distributions. As you know, when you hit 72 under the current law, you pay taxes on money that you're forced to pull out. They're called required minimum distributions from your IRA or 401k. Well, now what you can do is you can satisfy that and send the money straight to a charity, some or all of it, pay no taxes on it, and it counts over and above your standard deduction. So three great ways, a donor advised fund, a private foundation, and what we call QCDs, or Qualified Charitable Distributions. Now, this is a lot of information in a short space, and I would love to make available to you just a complimentary visit, to sit down with me, to sit down with our team, and just talk about your needs, your goals, your desires, and how we might be able to help you prepare to be a better steward of what God has entrusted to you both in life and when you pass on. So let's have a visit. Let's talk. We can help you achieve financial independence. We can help you avoid unnecessary taxes, and we can certainly help you build a financial independence roadmap to get to and through retirement safely. I would love to have the opportunity to help you in any way that I can, and so would my team at Lord & Richards. Just pick up the phone and give us a call at 720-372-0400. That's 720-372-0400. I'd love to chat. Or visit us on the web at Lordandrichards.com. Investment Advisory Service is offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management LLC.